Welcome back to Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church podcast. I'm Landon, and I'm here today with our executive pastor, Moises Zayas, to talk about this next episode. Pastor Moises, what are we going to be talking about in this episode? You know, I I was really excited about this episode because we're going to run a a parallel through history and scripture where we see Solomon say in Ecclesiastes that history repeats itself. And we believe that when it comes to prophecy, although our nations or the places that we're from may not be directly tied to a specific prophecy in scripture, when we run parallels in history, there are patterns that we could relate to what's going on in our current day. Wow, let's get into it. Let's do it. Well, you got me tonight. (laughs) You don't have to do it, you don't have to do it, I get it. No, but um, you guys get me tonight. I'm gonna bring something that I've been I've been kind of studying and, and and looking into. Um, so it's it, it'll be interesting for me. Hopefully, you find it interesting as well. Um, <clears throat> who's ready? You guys ready? You guys excited? <laughs> Who said I'm not? Jeez, don't be that guy. Everyone doing good? Listen, this is what'll happen. All right, tonight. If you don't say anything to me, I'll just sit up here and talk and talk and talk, okay? So if you want to talk to me or you want to say something, lift your hand up. Don't put me on the spot now, okay? I got what I got, you know? So, uh, but no, I'm I'm ready to have a good night with you guys here tonight. And and keep me from preaching because I tend to do that. Anthony, I'm going to rely on you. Hit me with one of these here, okay? If I'm going down the preaching rabbit trail, just let me know. So now, the Bible... It's, it's, it's kind of like our original book that reveals to us the history of mankind and, and, and the early rise of Israel and the Jews in the lives, right? So, so a lot of our moral rules and what you and I experience today and what we see, you could, you could go back to the Bible and originate. In fact, you actually hear people say things and sayings to you like there's some saying that they heard on tv or something like that but in reality a lot of these statements have come from the actual bible itself so so we believe that in many ways the history of our world tends to be cyclical in a pattern and and in those patterns there are many layers of prophetic narratives that we see and catch that could be repeated and you can see outcomes and reasons in a lot of ways how things, how things end up happening. If we're able to follow these patterns long enough, you'll start to see that something that might have started today is actually going to cause an effect and end up looking like this at the end of it all if you're able to follow the pattern based on what has already happened in history. Now, I've been reading this, so I'm all into it, okay? I hope I don't confuse you. But if I do, I'm sorry. So in a sense, we're saying that history kind of repeats itself. Not that there isn't any new development that needs to happen or, or that there isn't any innovation that will take place, but in essence, the court of everything that we see in a lot of ways ends up kind of cycling around again. Like bell bottoms. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't have that on here. So, so today, I, I want to take on a challenge, right? I, I want to... I want to talk to you a little bit about the patterns of the United States. 
You may say, why are we talking about the United States? Because we live here. It's our country. Wouldn't you be, wouldn't you want to know the effect that some of the decisions we're making and how, how those things could end up resulting if we keep heading that direction? Wouldn't we want to know? I want to know. That's what Wednesday night is for, right? I'm down here. The carpet, I'm not up there. Anything goes? No, not really, not really. This is something that's not made up by me. In fact, Solomon wrote about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9 to verse 10. He says, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. It's pretty straightforward. That's what I've been saying. See? Why is that so important to understand? In a lot of ways, America is not directly found in the biblical prophecies. And that's why in some ways you get teachers that don't talk about it, that they rather talk about biblical prophecy as it relates to Israel and, and, and all the different things. But in one way or another, although there's been numerous attempts by people to kind of figure out a way to correlate prophecy to the United States, some biblical verses, out of, they get taken out of context and they end up saying this is this and this is that. And, and, and we know all that is, is not true. But however, God conceals truth in parables, in patterns, in types of things and shadows. Also in that historical repetitive cycle that we tend to, to, to see happen in our world. For example... Politically, America's judicial and legislative patterns could be compared to what empire in Scripture, if you had to give it one? The Roman Empire. It's very similar with how it operates. The thing is done. The results it's had. So you could actually see that some of the decisions that we have made, if you read Scripture and you study the Roman Empire, you, you, you get to see some of those similar patterns of what takes place. You can also see that America and Israel are connected with numerous prophetic parallels in a lot of ways. Since Israel became a nation in 1948, each American president has found it necessary to deal with Israel, Jerusalem, and the Jews. Now, in fact, in 1948, after assisting the Jewish people in receiving recognition of Israel at the United, at the United Nations, President Truman is, is overheard comparing himself to Cyrus, who was the Persian king who assisted the Jews in returning to Judea. It's amazing. I mean, in 1973, President Nixon, after a call from the prime minister of Israel, decides to assist Israel in turning the war against their enemies. In, 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 during Carter's administration, there was major peace agreements between Israel and Egypt that still continues till today. Reagan made history by assisting in the fall of communism. Now, there have been actions that have been taken by leaders of this country. And even though this country may not be found directly involved in biblical prophecy, its, its past and present and future actions tend to have an effect in that timeline affecting the development 
of how that timeline in those countries that are directly biblically bound by prophecies end up seeing an effect on how that happens. So I'm, 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 in, in other words, what I'm saying is it's the United States is not that important, but it is important because it's a powerful nation, very well involved in what they do and say and act upon, having an effect on these countries that are biblically connected to prophecy. Everyone with me? Yeah. You're not going to sit here quiet all night. In 1991, Saddam Hussein called himself the king of Babylon. As he invaded Kuwait, he, the, the, the national community was afraid that he was going to continue to, 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 to take over different towns and, and the oil and all that stuff, right? When the President Bush goes to war, we see a, 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 kind of like a parallel happen. We, a war found in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 17 to 29, when King, King Ben-Hadad attacked Samaria. And, and I kind of put up, a, a, I'm, I'm going to be putting up some pictures of some, not pictures, but like a, a, a parallel comparison of the two. It's the Old Testament war versus the first Gulf War, okay? There were 32 kings with Ben-Hadad, 32 nations in, co in the coalition. Young men went to battle, young men went to battle. Told to keep their enemies alive, the Iraqi troops were, were kept alive. They, found the they, they fought in the plains, the coalition fought in the plains, in the desert. A hundred Israelites, they slew a hundred thousand men, about a hundred thousand Iraqis were killed. Israel made a treaty with the king to restore him. The coalition made agreements with Saddam. You, you see these patterns? They're very similar. And happening in completely different timelines, but you got a biblical explanation of a war in the Old Testament, and then you got a current event in the United States, and it's very similar to the contrast. You may say, Moises, but what does this have to do with biblical prophecy? Necessarily, it doesn't in this specific scenario, but you could begin to see how the decisions of a leader could have a cause and effect on a nation and a future eventually affecting what happens to the timeline of prophecy. You're saying, that's a stretch. Well, let me go there. I'm going to get stretchy tonight. <laughs> now, I'm going to share with you one of my personal ones, okay? That favorites. Don't be mad at me for this, okay? We're going to talk about a lot of different presidents, all right, so listen, if you voted for one of them, don't be mad at me, okay? I'm just, I'm just up here talking. Maybe I don't know anything, okay? <laughs> and, but what I am going to do is talk about past presidents. I am not going to get into, you know what I mean, okay? So we're talking history here, history. I'm just up here talking history. One of the parallels that takes the cake for me personally is doing the Clinton administration. Because when Clinton comes to the podium, he announces that we were going to get two for the price of one. And we all know what it meant, right? Meaning that his wife Hillary would also lead behind the scenes. If you, if you were, I want to do a little question here. I, I, listen, I, this is not, guys, I'm not telling you who to vote for, please. 
Andrew's probably going to get mad at me. Uh, you know, that's why I'm here. Hey, don't let me do it again. Here. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He saw some of us lies and he was laughing. But um, <clears throat> if you had to compare and, and, and come up with the, with the biblical pattern, who would fit the Clintons? They have in Jezebel. You're like, that's just harsh. Jeez, Ahab and Jezebel, that's harsh, right? In 1 Kings chapter 16 to 22, we see the story of Ahab and Jezebel. It's not as harsh as you think. Let's compare them real quick. (laughs) I had a feeling you were going to say that. I had a feeling you were going to say that. How did I know? All right, so let's, let's look at, the, let's look at the, the events. He was a leader, yet she directed the events. Bill was the president, but Hillary was directing the events. The couple was involved in the land deal. <laughs> and we know the Clintons were involved in something. Not accusing anybody. No one went to jail. I get it. Innocent people died. Maybe, right? Maybe. Listen, I didn't say it. Who's putting this up there? You guys typing that up back there? It's okay. It's okay. Say it. Say it. Ahab was deceived by a lying spirit. Bill was accused of lying. Ahab died and Jezebel continued in power. Bill left office and Hillary continued in politics. It's more similar than we think. You don't want to say it's prophetic, but when the leader gets up there and says, oh, man, somebody's taking pictures of my slides. (laughs) I'm in trouble now. I'll send you an email. I'll I'll send it to you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Don't post it. Don't go live, anybody here. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Anyways. So when he says we were getting two for the price of one, You don't want to say that was prophetic, but in a way, right? Something was happening and something was brewing there. And and, and these leaders made decisions that affected a lot more than just our day-to-day lives here. Can we agree to that? A lot more happens behind the scenes in any scenario. Would we agree? That's at any job. The church. You come to church on Sundays? We get to see what happens behind the scenes, right, Anthony? It's not bad, I promise you, it's okay. But what I'm saying is when you go to a, a company and you, you become a leader of that company, you start to see things behind the scenes and the decisions that get made. A lot of the decisions that these leaders at these higher powers end up making end up affecting a lot on the right side and on the wrong side of things. You have President Obama, who is compared to King Saul, And you have different precedencies, so on and so on. From 1948 to the present, every American president has had at least one specific event that marked his political legacy. You have Truman, who we just spoke about, the American president who assisted in forming the the, the state of Israel after the terrible Holocaust. Kennedy, who refused 
to, in, in, intimidate, to be intimidated by a USSR. Just stood up. Nixon assisted in the war of 1973. Carter negotiated peace, the peace deal that we just spoke about. Reagan heated up the Cold War so much, right? Bill Clinton, even him. <laughs> no, just kidding. That was, that was horrible. He heard the president of Russia was preparing to check down on some religious groups. And you know he had Pentecostal friends in Arkansas? Bill Clinton. <laughs> You're like, I don't believe it. <laughs> and, and he actually asked the Russian president not to do it. And the Russian president listened to him and later thanked them for not going after those people. Because the Russian people thought they were a cult, a dangerous cult, and they were going after them. Bush, who dealt and had, he, he dealt with one of the things that no other president could have anticipated. The biggest attack in human soil since Pearl Harbor. This, of course, initiated <laughs> and is now known as one of the most controversial wars between Afghanistan and, and Iraq. We could spend all night on that one. But I, I'm going to highlight President Obama tonight because I believed he came in with a different angle. He comes in and fundamentally begins to change America. It was, it was a different kind of pursuit or angle. It wasn't so behind the scenes. It was directed specific maybe other presidents did it but i i believe that he boldly did it not mad at him he was just doing i guess what he was being compelled to do didn't hold back any punches he actually said in 2007 i will fundamentally change america and he began to do it and we began to see it the attacks on traditional marriage, removing all abortion restrictions, signing businesses, regulations, and supporting Israel, Israel the enemies of Israel. All right. We had that plan. A little music was going to come in, relax the atmosphere a little bit. Come on, Anthony. <laughs> It became so contradictory to our values and what we had done up to that point. Unlike we had ever seen up to this point. When he said he was bringing change, he really meant it. And frankly, it never has fully come back from that point. Our country took a trajectory of change that never came back. There was a deconstruction that happened in our country for our values that had an effect that till this day we're living and hearing that direction after two more presidents. For the first time in American history under the president, gay marriages were promoted and passed into law. 
by the Supreme Court. This acceptance of same-sex relationships was also a legacy of King Saul's tribe. Their tribe promoted, permitted, and fought for male prostitution. Like Saul, we also see that the president comes against the fundamental ideas by utilizing his liberal ideologies to change the view of traditional marriages and to legalize abomination, even celebrating new law by lighting up the White House in rainbow color lights. These things are important to understand because most of the decisions that are made at this high level tend to have a ripple effect in what we live today. Not only that, but knowing the repetition of these parallels will help us understand the long-term result of those same decisions. I personally like to understand them because it helps us as believers to put plans in place that will help us with the protection of our values when it comes to our family, our children, and what the future holds for our people. Not only that, but most importantly, it allows us to plan and proactively find ways to not let the gospel be hindered by them. There are changes happening constantly that are having a ripple effect that start at the top and are affecting our country. People may think that the morality of our nation has nothing to do with our relationship with God as a group, but I believe the contrary. You think that the covenant wasn't something that ended in the Old Testament. I believe that I have a covenant with God with my family. You understand that? I, I bring my son into my covenant with God. He is part of that. He is part of that agreement. My wife is part of that covenant. This is not like a free-for-all in my household. I understand we have free will. I understand that Jesus intervened. But the reality is, as a man of God, there is a covenant that I hold my whole house to. And that's how I operate. He is a child of God. My wife is a woman of God. We are believers in Jesus. And we operate under that standard with the power, through the power of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts that God has given us. People like to think that the past success of our nation has, has somewhat have to do with the self-generated power of a human being. And being Christian was just some sort of coincidence that the United States had that alluded to their success. They seemed to think that, no, it had nothing to do with their beliefs. It's just those men did this, did that, did this, and now they became who they became. And when those ideologies become disproven, they run to other reasons. And it's what we're seeing a lot today. What we see today because it has become so self-evident that the success of our nation is strongly tied to our core values and our believing God, which we could all agree, right? People like to say that our history was not as great as, and successful as we, we paint it to be. That the United States was originally not that good of a country. Highlighting those negative things that happened, because obviously, right? 
negative things. If you, if you could damage my reputation, if everything that I've done bad right here gets rolled on these screens, you wouldn't want to hear me the rest of the night. <clears throat> it's, it's incredible when I see people take the actions of a human and dismiss God fully because of it. It's like you, you hear somebody, if, if a person got up here and played Beethoven and, 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 and sucked at it, you wouldn't be mad at Beethoven, right? But that's what we do. That's what people do. They see a bad replica or a bad presentation of what a Christian is supposed to be, or what a life with God is supposed to be, and they get mad at God for it. And they turn away from God. They get mad at Beethoven because somebody didn't know how to play it. And, and because of this so-called tainted history, they have decided to purposely move us from, 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 from those values as people, as leaders. They are purposely saying there's something wrong with these original values that got us all the success that wasn't the success because of the values. It was just success because it was success. Not acknowledging the negative effects that this has and that it will have on the future of our people and the nation. We understand that when a nation removes God, there's an effect to that. Can we agree to that? The Ark of the Covenant indicated that the presence of God was dwelling among the people of Israel. The presence of the Ark was an indicator of God's favor upon the nation. When the Ark rested in its sacred chambers, the people were at peace. When the divine order of God was disrupted and the Ark either mis was mishandled or misused, that protective hedge was lifted. These godly principles have not changed. Those godly principles are still true today. If we purposely remove God, then he will remove himself. In 2007, when our newly elected leader said that he would change America, few people asked for the specifics. In fact, the media allowed this promise to pass by as a news bite, sound bite, where everyone heard it. There were people chanting, change, change, yeah, we need change, is what we need. The religious faith of America, Christianity, was no longer important. According to a speech given in 2009, where well, we were told by the president of the United States that we were no longer a Christian nation. In fact, that we had never been. And now it seems like there's this influ influential, wealthy inner circle of leaders plotting to revise Americans' history to remove any moral and spiritual beliefs that are contrary to their agenda. Similar to King Saul, who had no concern for the loss of the ark or even God's presence, 
as he was only concerned about maintaining popularity and control, he knew this could not be done by looking good. In the, it could only be done by looking good in the eyes of the people. And with this vain pursuit, he ends up missing a lot of things that could have been done in the good way. Let's take war, for example. Who likes war? Nobody likes war, right? But sometimes it's necessary. My dad was in the military. I, no, we could all agree that nobody wants to see somebody else die, that you don't want to see countries fight each other. But war is a biblical reality that at times is much needed. You're like, man, what happened to peace? I want peace. But we like to take things out of context and apply Christian principles just to justify a thought process. Right? We say because we all want peace, therefore, killing someone shouldn't even be an option. Right? So when, my, when that guy comes into my house and is attacking my wife, I have to just stand there and say, peace, 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 peace. We want peace. Settle down, Rosie. <laughs> we just want peace. <laughs> it sounds hideous, right? It sounds hideous. But when I said in the other context, everybody's like, what does he mean by that? Is he saying we should go to war? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like We should, we should kill people? No. Sometimes... The events that have taken place in different nations have required for an intervention of war. We must agree that wars have happened and will always happen under the concept of the pursuit of a greater good. At least we would hope so. And frankly, that is what gets weighted when considering war. Innocent people make sacrifices to go to war based on the idea of a better future, even if it causes their own lives. If my dad would have been called to war, who would he have been thinking about? Me, my mom, and my brother. Because he knew in that moment his life could be at risk. Saul was supposed to be the commander-in-chief of Israel's army. But he became hesitant to go to war. We see the story of Goliath, where he's taunted Israel, their armies, their kings, for 40 consecutive days, and no one does anything about it. No one would step up. The battle was stuck and going nowhere. Instead, Saul was more worried about chasing David around because he was threatened by him because he thought David was his real problem. From village to village, from mountain to mountain, in an attempt to get him out of his way because he saw David as his threat. The problem with this level of mishap is that the process of the, in the process, the real enemies were being unchallenged. And those who were not enemies were being made into enemies. Does that sound familiar to you? Our nation is so caught up in chasing some sort of enemy that they've created. 
that they feel like they must eliminate. And the real challenges of our country aren't being addressed. We are stuck. When we should be challenging a true enemy, we are stuck pursuing a dead end against a perception, something that we have self-created, that someone said change needs to happen because this was no good. And we have nonstop pursuit of that issue and in the process avoid all kinds of confrontations of real issues that our nation is completely missing. In, in, in our nation, since 2009, our leaders have mis mistreated longtime allies, such as Israel. They promote nuclear deals with Iranian religious leaders who self-confess and, and, and that they're enemies of both Israel and America. They've said it themselves, and we're cutting deals with them. Hey, listen, we, we can agree to disagree, right? Things like when the information was released that the director of the IRS has targeted hundreds of people and political groups before the 2012 election. It helped us to understand that the real enemy in America were, were being ignored while the patriots of this country were treated as enemies. King Saul's pride and arrogance was so embedded in his character that the enemies of Israel could engage him in war and he wouldn't even react. He was obsessed with chasing David, quote unquote, his real problem, and ignoring the big elephant in the room. And this became so much easier for him. In today's political circle, politicians get elected, and from the moment they are sworn in, they're already making decisions to make and, mo and make an impact on the next election. Have you noticed that? From the moment they are sworn in, they begin to make decisions that's already going to have an effect on the next election. Like the next four years is just prep time for the next guy. Making it all out of control. Now, as a result... Dangerous issues in the process are ignored in efforts to exalt an agenda that appeases the wealthy and the most influential people in our, in our world today. Things like COVID, despite, despite the science, global warming, they carry that thing out. It was going to get hot, right? They carry this thing out. They got, it got cooler. So they said, the problem is climate change, <laughs> right? Because at first it was going to get hot, then it got cold. And they said, the problem is it got hot and then it got cold. It's like my house <laughs> when Rosie and I are like taking turns on the thermostat. <laughs> you would think it would be that simple, but it's not apparently. I mean, it was deemed to be our biggest threat until things got cooled down. On the other hand, you have ISIS terrorists that were beheading Christians and our, and our leaders refused to admit that there was a problem. 
They were worried because it got cold after they said it was going to get warm. And that was the real danger to us. We were told that, that, that there's never been levels of climate change like the ones we're experiencing. I mean, it gets hot and then it gets cold. And we're, we're watching the TV and we're like, I mean, I've noticed it, right? Babe, have you noticed it? It was hot yesterday and then it's cold today. <laughs> it may be a North Carolina thing. Who knows? That unless we do something now, children will experience drought, earthquakes. It's going to be bad. Last time I checked, Abraham experienced several famines. Isaac experienced famine. Jacob's time, there were seven years of famine that almost wiped out the entire world. Elijah survived a famine that persisted for 42 months. Imagine Pharaoh coming out of his castle and the palace and saying, guys, the weather's going to kill us. <laughs> what do you think those people would have said? Pharaoh coming out, it's too hot. <laughs> it sounds silly, right, Jason? They're like, what? Yeah, that, those people would have looked at him like, we need a new leader. This ain't working out. But instead, we have politicians telling us it's too hot and, and the sea levels are going to go down and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. In the meantime, they're buying houses at the beach. Right? That's crazy. It's a bad investment, you would think. Right, Anthony? Like, didn't you just say your boat, man? <laughs> That's right. The truth is that in Saul's mental and spiritual weakness, it, it was so bad that it began to actually trick, trickle down on the people. And, and that's where we come in, is that these leaders were so influential that their mental state and the things that they were believing and the things that they were implementing actually ended up trickling down on the people themselves. And fear began to settle in, uncertainty, a lot of the same things that you and I experience today because someone is on TV saying some random fact and we don't know what to believe. And in essence, our leaders are trying to manipulate the narratives. People became discouraged. The debt increased when, in Saul's time. There was a debt crisis and did you know that the borrower is always the servant of the lender in that equation? And what happened is half of the population become discontent with their current state. And this leads to a divided commitment as people. See, you, you think it's just one party against the other, differences in opinion. But when you have this, this divide between two halves of the nation, becoming very evident and very different, and it's pretty down the middle, isn't it? Then our efforts are divided. 
Our commitment is separated. This is something that we have to avoid. The events surrounding us as a nation should not affect our lives to the point where our efforts become divided and less effective. We have to find ways to motivate one another. The way, as I was writing this, the word motivation kept popping into my mind. Because I do feel like, not, like not, not, not just praying and relying on the politician. I said this a few, a few sermons away in, in one of the preachings. I said, one of the things I read in scripture is I never read Paul saying, you know what we need? A Christian Roman emperor. And then we won't have to do anything as disciples. If, if you, don't ever, you never hear any of those leaders say the solution to our problem is, is to have a Christian leader. They put the responsibility on, on themselves. They said no matter what happens there, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to spread the gospel. This is how we're going to win the kingdom of God. It's not up to that guy. Yes, would it make the job easier? Maybe. But in a lot of ways, we have seen Christians become president, right? In fact, the one in office, <laughs> he's Catholic, right? That ain't Christian. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. How much time you got? No. <laughs> but, but you see what I'm getting at here? We pray for something when the responsibility is on us. In, in essence, our prayer, it, it's, it's kind of it's weak. We're hoping someone's going to bail us out from our responsibilities. Oh, I don't want to have to die for this gospel, man. If we just had a Christian president that came to Greater Life Church, yeah. <laughs> this, our nation would full circle, right? But it doesn't work like that. We have to acknowledge that we're the hope for the hurting community. And find ways of becoming the lifeline of this hurting world. The problem is not finding the cure. We have the cure. It's how do we find ways of getting that cure to the people who need it most. These warnings shouldn't torment us. Sleep like a baby tonight. Seriously. They should motivate us. Warnings are not intended to scare us. They're intended to prepare us. To, to, to prompt us to have the right reaction. If you're walking in the woods and you take a step and there's a rattlesnake right there, what do you do? Right? You turn around, run as fast as you can the other way. You don't sit there and say, ah! Right? You, heard of a, you, you hear of a massive storm coming to your way. I grew up in Puerto Rico. There's a lot of hurricanes that come through there. 
As a kid, I watched it. I would sit in my grandma's house and watch her glass door. Like I would watch the glass. You remember, Eddie? The glass was like, we're sitting there in the kitchen like, like this. She's like, don't move against the walls. And we have all these routines that we do. And we, um, Eddie and I are peeking around the corner and the glass is going, <laughs> you prepare. My dad, we would go outside two by fours. Remember, Eddie? We would cut them to the size of the windows. The storm is coming and we're outside hammering one side or the other and just kind of, you know, and we're locking ourselves in because there's a storm coming. That's how I grew up. You prepare yourself. You don't hear the news and say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Is the coffee ready? This is going to be crazy. <laughs> no, you do something about it. We have the cure. Instead, we're wrapped up. Noah knew that the destruction was coming. And you know what he did? He built a boat with faith and fear. He did it. He still took the actions of doing it. You know, I, I, I can't. I'm running out of time here. We, we should understand that God always visits in mercy before he visits in judgment. And that, and that he always extends his hand of mercy before lifting his hand of disfavor, of favor. If people, you, you can't always expect things to be handed to you. If people take people in the workplace, for example, if they knew that their actions would not have an effect on their day, that no matter what they did, everything will stay the same and they will continue to get the same paycheck and everything would be okay, they would become a little less productive, a little bit less committed. They wouldn't put as much effort into it. So these warnings aren't meant to scare us, to have us fall back. They're meant to motivate us to move forward, to truly make a difference. That's not a cliche statement. We have the cure. We have the hope. You're not driving a borrowed car that you get to turn it in and not care really what happened to it. You're not renting a house. If we experience the blessing of God without repentance, then there's no need to be better. It's the same concept. Sometimes God extends his mercy towards us by bringing judgment. We don't want to hear that, but it turns people away from their sin what happens when something bad really happens church growth people run in here desperate because they don't know who else can fix this our leaders are constantly making decisions to turn things a different direction those things are going to have a direct effect on our families and our nation but it is our job to offer the cure to a hurting world. That's what we're called to do. I'm hopeful, hopeful about two things, and we'll pray. Nothing is going to go beyond the parameters set by God. And God would intervene at any point for his people to protect them from the harm of evil. You and I could rely on that. Let's live like it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we...
If we just look around, we could very quickly be discouraged. That, that, that we don't even know where to begin as believers, God. Sometimes when we come out of these groups and step into the world and, and, and see what's happening on TV and social media and all around us, Lord, we, we could very, very quickly become discouraged. Lord, I, I just pray that, that you would spark a desire inside all of us to be motivated towards bringing that cure to the hurting world. We're not a, we're not a church building, God. We're a hospital. This is a place where the hurting could come and find healing because you're here. God, help us to carry that, to not be distracted by what happens to understand that all these things cycle in and out. Good leaders, bad leaders, good decisions, bad decisions. Ultimately, we rely on you. We're not going to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of because we have a God in control. You are our leader, God. Help us to rely on that fully for ourselves, for our family, for those around us. And let us follow you to the ends of the earth believing, Lord, that your kingdom is so near. All these challenges, Lord, just, just remind us of how close you are and how soon your return is. Let that be our hope. We love you, God, and we believe in it. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Greater Life Church, including our Sunday morning services, go to our website, greaterlife.church. 